We are into Galatians 6, 6 through 10. And last week I went through Galatians 6, 1 through 5. So we're going to be picking up right where we left off. And I just want to uh, mention a couple of things, too, before we get started today. Uh, we are using, have been using, uh, this awesome resource from Tim Timothy Keller uh, called Galatians for You. So I'm going to be uh, drawing upon some of what he has as commentary in, in this book for uh, the sermon today. And as I uh, always do, I give a plug for this book, which I also use to write my sermons every week. Very important to use the Bible because um, it is God's Word. Amen? Okay, good. Just want to make sure you know where I'm getting stuff. Um, also, you can get some stuff. We've talked about that resource table a little bit earlier. Um, I'd encourage you, if you haven't stopped by that table, to please stop by that table a little later today, uh, preferably when I'm done um, and not right now. But if you can do that after the service, that'd be great. We would love to see you back there. Uh, we do accept your checks and your credit cards through Square. So um, if you're interested in getting things back there, please let us know. Uh, we put it back there for you guys. So let's dive right in to where we are in Galatians 6, 6 through 10. You can follow along with me if you've got your Bible with you. If not, it's there on the listening guide, which is um, the thing that you sing from. It's on the left-hand side right there um, for you. So it says in verse 6, Let the one who has taught the word share all good things with the one who teaches. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked, for whatever one sows, that will he also reap. For the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption, but the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. And let us not grow weary of doing good, for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. So then, as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone, and especially to those who are of the household of faith. So just to recap a little bit too, let's put this in context. Whereas last week when we were talking about Galatians 1 through 5, the kind of overarching theme for the week was bearing one another's burdens. And we talked about what that looked like when bearing one another's burdens. Use that, that, uh, that symbol of a yoke and how we're, we are called to be yoked to Jesus. Jesus said, my yoke is, uh, my yoke is easy, my burdens are light. So that is, that is certainly we are called to be yoked to him, but we are also supposed to be yoked to one another and bearing one another's burdens. Because when we're yoked, as the yoke illustration uh, implies here, there is a distribution of the load, right? A distribution of weight and responsibility and taking care of one another. And that's what Ohana does. Last week we talked about Ohana, and Ohana means family. family. That's what family does. We're yoked to one another. We take care of one another. We share each other's responsibilities to share each other's burdens. So we're going to get into that today and talking more about what that means because we have to have that understanding before we move into, into Galatians uh, 6, 6 through 10. Um, and keeping in mind, everything else has been written, written in Galatians, so we kind of need all of those things. And if you haven't caught up on those, uh, the podcast is out there. I will say just a, a you know, brief uh, infomercial, I guess, for our podcast what we have up online right now is from Galatians 1, 1, all the way through Galatians 5, 1 through 4. Okay. For three weeks, the podcast was not working. We had some technical difficulties with recording, and it was just one thing after another. We think we've worked out all those kinks. I just checked a minute ago. Daniel double-checked. We're recording this morning, so this should be online. But what we did earlier this week, which is pretty cool, something we've never done before, um, we said, look, those three weeks— Let's sit around a table 
and just talk about those from the from the uh, the folks who preach that. So Daniel had a chance to preach. Michael, Michael, <laughs> you're not in trouble. <laughs> Michael preached. Um, I did as well. We got around a table and just had a conversation about it. And let me say, it was awesome. It was so cool to be able to do that in that format. So I don't think that's going to be the last time that we do that. Hopefully it's the last time we uh, don't record sermons and that sort of thing. But I could definitely see us doing something like that as a recap. So in case you're wondering, that is also going to go up online. So if you missed any of those three weeks, um, we kind of condensed it all into a very conversational format. And we'll be posting that up on the um, up on the SoundCloud account here very soon. Can't wait to see your response to that. Please take a listen and let us know because we may have thought it was totally awesome, but it was like, you may hear it and go, eh, hmm. Uh, but we think it's awesome. So give us some feedback too when you hear that, okay? Um, but as we've been going through and planning out all of the weeks and topics for uh, Galatians, um, one thing about the way that we're doing this through what we call expository teaching, which is really just as we encounter the text, we teach it, just like that, just as the text says, right? As we've been doing that, like, there's been no way for us to get around subjects. Like, you're, we're, we're going. We're moving all the way through Galatians. We're going to get to things that just challenge us, and we're going to have to talk about And sometimes we've spent, like, three weeks talking about the same topic because Paul spent a lot of time talking about that topic. It was important enough for him to spend couple of chapters on it was a couple it was important enough for us to spend a couple of weeks on it too so we did that and as we mapped out this road uh, we kind of saw today coming too so some of what we're going to talk about kind of dovetails into even what we presented to you just a moment ago in the financial report that this all kind of makes sense and ties together so we thought this these were good weeks for us to talk about those things and put them in context of one another um, and talking about finances and that sort of thing um, is biblical. And I looked here from uh, this leadership book that was written by Howard L. Dayton, and he says uh, that Jesus talked much about money. 16 of the 38 parables were concerned with how to handle money and possessions. And in the gospel, an amazing one out of 10 uh, verses, and that's 288 in all, deal directly with the subject of money. The Bible offers 500 verses on prayer, less than 500 verses on faith, but more than 2,000 verses on money and possessions. So you can see just how important it is because of how much it shows up here in God's word. And our aim this morning was not to heap um, guilt or um, uncertainty or confusion about having this conversation about money, but the conversations about money matter because apparently it matters to God. So we shouldn't shy away from that conversation, right? There's some hard things to talk about in scripture, and we just can't like, around them because that is not doing scripture justice and it's not serving you well we're not teaching you exactly what um what god's word says if we're if we're going around the hard discussions and let me just say like the hard discussions we typically i will raise my hand here i typically uh wait until they become a problem to have the hard discussions are you with me on this the birds and the bees conversation i am not having that until i have to okay like, <laughs> until I have to. Death is another one. We typically don't talk about death and dying until someone has died in our life, and we have to have those hard conversations about, about death, either with our children or with our loved ones and what that means. Consequences, whether good or bad, we typically will wait and have that conversation about consequences and 
you know, when we've had a consequence meet us in that place. And that's when we start talking about those things. And money is another one of those things. I know that, you know, when things are going along fine, everything's gravy, and, you know, we're coasting along well, money's not a subject. It's not a topic of discussion usually. But when things are looking bleak and the bank account's running out and we're bouncing checks and things are going crazy, um, it sounded like Bill Cosby there for a minute, and the jello pudding is there. Um, <laughs> when things start happening, um, when... When those conversations, when we start talking about money is when things start getting rough, when things start looking just um, bleak. And we don't want to do that. We don't want to wait until, like, something happens in, our, in the life of our church to have that discussion. We're like, well, I guess we need to preach on that next week because we had an issue about such and such. So let's, let's go find a place in God's Word where he's talking about this, and then we can get through it. What's cool about getting through God's word and just saying, look, we're just going to take it as it is, is that we're going to get there. Eventually, we're going to get through all of it. And then when you go through a book like Galatians, I mean, you, t- you look back at all the different hard conversations we've had about Galatians in Galatians. There are, a lot of this is there already. Some of the hard conversations that I mentioned this morning, birds and bees, we talked about that, about that a little bit too. Um, death, consequences. I mean, all this stuff is in there when we read it. And I think we have a responsibility as teachers in the church to talk about those things. But I don't want to to make this sermon a sermon about giving. That's not what we're going to talk about. But really it's about how our our hearts are positioned toward provision and toward family. And Paul is writing about this. He uses an illustration here to make his point uh, about farming. And he starts with saying... um, When he starts talking about farming, he says here uh, in verse 7, For whatever one sows, that he will also reap. You reap what you sow. How many of you guys have heard that that adage before? You reap what you sow. How many of you have used that before on someone, especially when when they've, like, messed up? Hey, hey, you reap what you sow. You know, sorry about that. You know, that that's kind of a a mentality we, we look at that if we take it the wrong way here, we could get into a place of karma really easy and say, well, what goes around comes around, and, well, because you did X, now you have X. That's not what we're talking about here. That's not what we're talking about. When we talk about consequences, for every action, there is an equal and opposite reaction, right? We learned that through physics, okay? That when we're talking about reaping and sowing here, when we talk about farming, He is talking about planting seeds and then a crop coming up from those seeds. That When we plant that seed, I plant a corn, a seed for corn, I'm not going to get tomatoes, okay? I'm reaping what I'm sowing. I put in the the dirt corn, corn comes out of the dirt. You feel me? Okay. I don't want us to go down a road that, you know, we're talking about a different illustration. And there are lots of illustrations in the Bible for seeds and soil. And, but this one that we're using is talking about this specifically. So let's keep that in mind, okay? Um, we have to ask ourselves through the illustration that Paul makes here. And he's going to say that for the one who sows to his own flesh will reap from the, uh, from the flesh corruption. But to the one who sows to the spirit will reap from the spirit eternal life. So when we're talking about this reaping and sowing here, we have to look at those two things, the flesh and the spirit, as types of soil, right? That we're, we're sowing those, into, those seeds into soil, and we're going to reap what we sow. 
So in other words, we're looking at your motivation for sowing your time, talents, and treasures. Paul's talking about that with, with the Galatians right here in this, in this text. And if we sow to the flesh, it's going to reap temporary fruit. All right? This is the whole idea behind sowing to the flesh, sowing to something that is temporal, something that is um, earthly, is going to, to yield fruit. Now, maybe even fruit that we think that is, we think is good. So things like pride and self-worth and status with others, those things may feel good, but they're temporary. Like those are things that we want in our flesh. We want to feel those things because it kind of gives us this sense of uh, importance or identity or validation, but those things are completely temporary. Because what happens when that person or that thing in your life that's giving you that temporary self-worth or pride or that sense of being goes away or dies or gets taken from you, then you lose that, right? Because they're, they're, they're not permanent. They're not permanent. They are very temporary things. There's only one way that we're going to find permanence, and that's in the person of Jesus because he's going to give us our identity. He's going to give us in that, our worth. He's going to give us those things, and those things are permanent. Those things are not temporary. And that's what we're, we're getting into when talking about sowing to the Spirit. You know, that's going to result in lives transformed. That's going to result in the gospel proclaimed. That's going to result in making much of Jesus. And that we'll be satisfied in that, and that will bring us joy. That when we sow into the Spirit, and we're getting helpings of Jesus in our life. Those things are going to result in joy. They're going to result in, in, in our good. And Paul's making that illustration here to the Galatians. He, Paul was sowing his seeds into God's kingdom, and he, he knew that his reward was not a paycheck. It was that God re- would receive glory. And, and we don't preach on Sunday morning with any of those things in mind, self uh, worth or pride or um, anything that's going to make much of us or a paycheck for that matter. If we were doing what we're doing for a paycheck, one, um, we, we're doing it really poorly because we're not even getting a paycheck. Um, but we would also be inclined to tell you exactly what you want to hear, right? Why would we ever challenge you? Why would we ever go through this word and, and go through the challenging things that God challenges us with and we are just in turn presenting God's word, and it challenges us, right? Why would we even go through those things if our end result was to try to get a paycheck and to make much of what we want and who we are and our identity, right? We know we could tickle your ears and make you like us by saying, guys, all you got to do is one, two, three. You do those things, and you'll receive all of God's you know, uh, blessings, and, and your life will be great, and no pain, no, you know, you're, you'll be fine. We could do those things. We would also uh, need to be thrown out of the church if we did those things because we wouldn't be faithful to God's word. That our purpose here is not to do any of those things, but it is to proclaim God's word to make much of Jesus. And that's it. That's what we're called to do in teaching this word. And even Paul knew that. He said um, in Galatians, or not Galatians, uh, in 1 Corinthians 9, 1 through 18, it's a little long, 
uh, for the scriptures. If you want to turn there, you can. If not, I'm going to read it to you. Uh, but this is in 1 Corinthians 9, 1 through 18. And you have to understand when Paul is writing these letters to the churches, um, this was written to, like Galatians was written to the church of Galatia. This is written to the Corinthians here, church in Corinth. And each of these churches are different churches, much the same way that we are different churches from one to the next, right? We all are going through um, different scriptures. We're all in different places. We all have different things going on. Well, there was something going on here in the Corinthian church um, regarding money, and Paul's going to talk about it. And he says in here, am I not free? Am I not an apostle? Have I not seen Jesus our Lord? Are not you my workmanship in the Lord? If to others I am not an apostle, at least I am to you, for you are the seal of my apostleship in the Lord. This is my defense to those who would examine me. Do not have the right, we do we not have the right to eat and drink? Do we not have the right to take along a believing wife as do other apostles and the brothers of the Lord and Cephas? Or is it only Barnabas and I who have no right to refrain from working for a living? Who serves as a soldier at his own expense? Who plants a vineyard without eating any of its fruit? Or who tends a flock without getting some of the milk? Do I say these things on human authority, or does not the law say the same? For it is written in the law of Moses, you shall not muzzle an ox when it treads out the grain. And so to stop there and, and back up just a little bit, take a little pause. And he's talking about who serves as a soldier at his own expense, who plants a vineyard without eating any of its fruit. And then as the law of Moses says, you shall not muzzle an ox when it treads out its grain. What that is saying when you muzzle an ox, when you close its mouth from being able to eat anything, it can't eat while it's doing its work. And the law of Moses said, um, and it's making an illustration through this law, that do not muzzle the ox while it's treading its grain. Allow the animal that is doing the work just as the soldier is, is serving. He doesn't serve at his own expense. The one who plants the vineyard um, is... Is he not allowed to eat any of the fruit that comes from its labor? You're seeing that, that in the life of the church, what's being challenged here is, is how the, the church is using its resources and, and the kind of way that they're looking at, at Paul for receiving um, anything from them as well. And he makes the point a little later here. He says, is it for oxen that God is concerned? Does he not certainly speak for our sake? So was, were all those illustrations in that law of Moses not for our sake? It was written for our sake because the plowman should plow in hope and the thresher thresh in hope of sharing in the crop. If we have sown spiritual things among you, is it too much if we reap material things from you? If others share in this rightful claim on you, do, do not we even more? Nevertheless, we have not made use of this right, but we endure anything rather than put an obstacle in the way of the gospel of Christ. Do you not know that those who are employed in the temple service get their food from the temple and those who serve in the altar share in the sacrificial offerings? In the same way, the Lord commanded that those who proclaim the gospel should get their living by the gospel. So we see in an illustration there that the, the reason that it doesn't sit well with Daniel that we're not, we're not paying our preacher here is because paying the preacher is not polite. It's what the Lord commands. Like, boom. Okay, so there we are. <laughs> there, there we are. So we get into 15, it says, But I have made no use of any of these rights, nor am I writing these things to secure any such provision. For I would rather die than have anyone deprive me of my ground for boasting. For if I preach the gospel, that gives me no ground for boasting. For necessity is laid upon me. 
Woe to me if I do not preach the gospel. For if I do this on my own will, I have a reward. But if not of my own will, I am still entrusted with the stewardship. Stewardship. And here's where he talks about his reward. What then is my reward? That in my preaching I may present the gospel free of charge, so as not to make full use of my right in the gospel. So Paul's making the point here, he has every single right to be, to be drawing a paycheck here. But if drawing a paycheck means that somebody else, um, that that is a, an obstacle standing in someone's way and understanding of the gospel, he's like, you know what? It's free of charge. Because it really is. I mean, you're not, we don't give money to the church. We don't tithe and give offerings um, to pay for the gospel. We're not paying for this message. This message is free. Like, you want this book? You can have this one. Like, it's free. The gospel is free. And as one of the guys that uh, I listened to on, on uh, talk radio, Hank Hanegraaff, says, the gospel is free, but somebody's got to put in the plumbing. Like, we are called the, by this word to be elders of the church and to preach the gospel and to have this church to equip you guys. And that's, that's what we're called to do. And, if, any of, and if, that, if anything stands in that way, we lose our ground for boasting. And our, our ground for boasting needs to be in Jesus. Like, this is, this is why we boast. Not anything that we do or any amount of things that we accumulate, whether that's um, money or popularity or whatever those things. We cannot boast on those things. Those cannot be what's important to us. Um, and as we have been uh, stewards of what's coming in th- through you to this body of at Redemption Hill, we have to be guided by this. We have to be guided by um, being good stewards of this and doing it in a way that is holy and pleasing to God. So when we talk about these things, I don't want us to focus on, on money um, even though I just did, <laughs> because Paul does, and he talks about those things. He talks about, um, in verse 6, let the one who has taught the word share all good things with the one who teaches. But let listen to that even again. Let the one who has taught the word share all good things with the one who teaches. So he's saying all good things, not just money but all good things and those things that God has entrusted you with. And I'm going to mark those as time, talent, and treasure today, okay? Your time, your talents, what God has gifted you with, and your treasure, what he has entrusted in you, what the, the provisions, the, the money that, he's, that he has entrusted you with. All of those things are important. And we're not, we're not talking about investing just one of those things. He says all good things. The gospel doesn't call us to just one of those things. We, we don't get the, the liberty. It doesn't give us um, a, you know, a, a free card here in the gospel to say, well, I'm just going to give a portion of my life or of, of me to, to God. I'm going to commit that to him. But this stuff over here, I want to keep for myself. Like, my time is really important to me. Like, I'll, I'll write a paycheck, but I'm, look, this is my time. Okay, this is my little place. Or to say, you know what, I'm, I'm fine with giving my time, but it's like it's my, my trade those or my gifting or whatever that is. Like that's, that's what I do in my own little space here. That's, this is my space, and I'll give that, maybe even a little bit of this, but, but none of this. This is my space. He doesn't, we don't get that ability 
um, as believers to be able to kind of dice up our life and say what we want to give over. Like when we're when we are his and part of his family, we're called to surrender all. I surrender all. We have to surrender it all. And I know for me that it's certainly a process. It's not, it's not one that, you know, one, once um, I accepted salvation and said, you know, I'm, I'm going to follow Jesus. Um, he's been over my life trying to say, but remember, like, I'm at the helm. I got... I got all of this. This is all my, I keep forgetting those things, right? I have to be reminded even daily um, that I surrender all. And so in my life, it's been, a, it's been a process of through that sanctification, through looking more and more like Jesus every single day, I have been um, being conformed to Christ. And we understand that if we have a, a great example of someone who gave it all, like it's Jesus, 100%. We can look at everything through the life of Jesus and say, this is our example for how to give it all. And he gave everything for us, including his life. So we knew that as we are talking about these things, that we were really talking about a system that's set up on God's economy and not the world's economy. Because the world's economy tells us that like, we have to we have to save. We have to invest. There's some things we just kind of need to keep to ourselves and whatnot. And in God's economy, it doesn't work like that because he doesn't hold back from us, right? He doesn't hold back from us. And he calls us to do the same things for him and with him to be a part of what he's doing here. Being a part of God's mission on earth means that we're going to have to surrender all. And he gives us that example through Jesus. And he says, look, this is this is what I've got in mind. This is the way that we need to be doing things and the way that I know you will have the greatest joy possible is to just let me drive. Like, just let me be in control. And we don't do any of those things, like I said, for us to build up things here, right? We, to, to be a part of kingdom building work is not being a part of, like, building a building work or doing something where we, like, amass things and structures and whatever those things may be, right? We don't, we don't build with that in mind. We have to build with a, with a kingdom perspective. And the kingdom perspective is an eternal perspective. And Jesus gives us this example in Matthew. He goes to Matthew six nineteen. He says, Do not lay up for yourself treasure on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And so for your treasure, whether your treasure is time, talent, or money, whether, whether, whatever those things are, that's where your heart is going to be also. So we have to ask ourselves this morning and every single morning, Where's my heart? Where is my heart and and where I'm investing? Right? Are we investing in 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 the, into the kingdom where we have uh, where thieves don't break in and steal, where where moth nor rust destroys, or are we investing here in things that are temporal, things that can be taken away from us, things that can be removed and 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 then we we lose ourselves even in that process. So Jesus even knew that how we viewed those things were, was more of a heart issue than it was anything else. 
And as we are called to invest in those things and to God's kingdom here, um, I'm so thankful that um, to be a part of the expression of what that looks like here at Redemption Hill. And as we have invested into those things from our lives, as we have uh, sown into the spirit, um, our desire, our prayer every day is that this church would make much of Jesus. And as he wants to grow, as he, as he wants to do this and grow our church, that we will in turn be as responsible with our response to that. And that's been our call. Our, our call in this has been about taking care of family. And family matters. Family matters a lot. You know, it, and we're going we're gonna to get to the end here at the, the last verse in this, where in Galatians 6.10 it says, So then, as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone, and especially to those who are of the household of faith. And keep in mind here, too, that Paul is writing this letter to the Galatians, so this is a church. This is not a single person. We, uh, we can certainly um, see how there is, you can have personal application from some of the things that are talking about here, but the application here is for the church and Galatia. That's who he's writing to. So as we look at this, we have to look at this as a church as well, as a body of believers, and say, so then, as we have opportunity... And this is a call for us to live with margin in our lives. We, we need to have the opportunity to be able to invest in our time, talent, and treasure. We can't, as we went through our um, budget guide earlier today, if we had invested all of it in a certain thing, we wouldn't have opportunity in other areas. And so we have to live with this margin. We have to live with the ability for us to be able to be a part of the ministry in certain areas, in certain ways. Or look at this even in your personal life. So um, if your time, if you have an outlook schedule like mine, it's just like, it's crazy. If I'm not finding even time during that time when I do have things to be at, if I'm not looking at my day on a day-to-day basis uh, with gospel intentionality, with with the interactions that I have with people and making margin even in my structured, busy day to love on people, to share the love of Jesus with people, to talk about him and to make much of him, then I'm pushing him out of my day and putting busy work ahead of kingdom work. So we have to make time. I pray your schedule doesn't look like that. That's just, it's awful. But even like on the weekends when we have time, like are you stacking your weekend with so much stuff, busy stuff, that you don't have a chance to be with your family? I mean, either the family here or your own family, spending time with your kids. And parents, this is directed specifically at you. This is a call to spend time with your kids. Make margin, make opportunity for you guys to be able to disciple your children. That's so important that we make time, that we carve out time. Because we've talked about this before in the life of the church, that uh, time doesn't fall in your lap. You have to make time. Because things are going to creep into your schedule. Things are going to happen. You're going to fill up your, your time with lots of other things. You've got to make time, carve out time for those opportunities. And that could look like going through 
um, catechism, and Mike, we've, we've shared uh, one of the catechisms that we use is New City Church, I think. Um, it's a free app that's on, um, on the iPad or on your iPhone or maybe on Android Market, too. Uh, but you can download that and go through catechism. You can do that if you don't have kids. If you're, if, you just, if you're running solo, you can do that. If you're a married couple and you're empty nesters, you can do that. Anyone can do that. It's a great way for us just to have those, um, those resources that in the time that we make, we can use to help disciple one another, disciple our children. Yeah, and we've got one for little kids in the back table. There's a resource back there. So if you don't have an iPhone or an Android or an iPad or one of those things, um, take a step back there and, and do that. But then Paul goes on and says, let us do good to everyone. Everyone. So we remember last week we mentioned the law of Christ, which the law of Christ I summarized into four words, love God and love others, people. Yes, thank you. Love God and love people. That's the law of Christ. So we are called here to do good to everyone. Everyone. Not just the people that you like, but the people that you uh, don't get along as well with. I won't say that you don't like, but as the people that you don't get along as well with. Maybe you guys are just kind of oil and water, but you are called to do good to everyone. And then he goes on to say after that, and especially to those who are of the household of faith. And when he says household of faith here, we're talking about family, right? Household of faith, the people who live in a household. That's who we're talking about. We're unified. We are family through Christ, right? Christ is our common unity. We've been saying that from the very beginning as well. Our common unity in community is Christ. That's how we are united, and that's who makes us family. And in him, we are family. And to be honest, um, it's hard to live in the culture that we do, in the society that we do as believers. Like, it should be hard. If, it's, if, if you think it's easy, then you're doing it wrong. Like, let's just say that. Like, you're, pro- you're probably doing it wrong. Um, and you think it's hard here. You look at places where you have to keep that a secret or you'll be cut off from your real family. And believers out there are doing that every day. They're saying, look, I can't live this as a secret. And they're realizing the consequences, the reaction of doing that is losing their job, losing their, fam- their blood family as they take on a new family. That, that like, it's hard. It's, harder, it's hard here. It's, it's even harder in other places, right, to be a believer, to be a part of this family. And Paul knew that. Same sort of issues that are happening today were happening back then, too. People being ostracized and saying, no, no, no. Look, if you're going to do that, then you're not a part of this family unit. You can't, you can't work here. You can't do this. So he's making that expression here. and says, especially to those who have the house of faith. This is a call to take care of each other and to take care of our own. And if you've got your own family, you can see that in your own family, right? That sometimes it's just like, you know, it's hard. It can be very hard in your blood family to take care of of your own, but we're called to that, right? We have to take care. People say that, you know, but they're family, you know. I mean, you know, you get, it's like a, it's one of our, you know, weekends that you have open and you're like, so-and-so is moving. You're like, oh, they're going to ask me. I've got a truck and they're going to ask me to move, you know, and it's like, but sweetie, they're family. And you're like, yep, you're right. They're family. And sometimes it's inconvenient and it's, it costs us time and our talents and our treasures to invest in family, right? But we take care of our own. 
as family. And our common unity here is Christ. And that bond that we have is greater than any bond that we have on earth. And so I'm going to ask um, Daniel and the, and the team to come up and, and lead us as we go into our, our time of communion as we wrap things up here. But anytime that we hear God's word, we are called to stop and examine. And I've said countless times here that when we encounter God's word, we have to do three things. We have to ask ourselves, what is God saying? What am I going to do about it? Who am I going to tell about it? So this morning, we're caused to examine what is God saying about sowing into the flesh, sowing into the spirit? What is God saying about family? And then who, how am I going to apply that? Like, how is that changing me? As in this process of sanctification, and all that really means is just looking more and more and being more and more and being conformed more and more to Christ's image. In this process that, that I'm submitting to on a daily basis and, and the Lord is doing a work in me, like, what does it mean for me to understand family more and more? And how can that be applied? And then how can that be applied practically? How can we look at family as a way for us to... Um, for us to take care of one another and love on one another and serve one another and um, provide for one another. How can we do all those things? And even in knowing in that, as believers, we have to rest in that. Um, those are the privileges of being in the family and the responsibilities of being in the family, right? Right? We have privileges and we have responsibilities. But those things uh, that we do do not secure our salvation. Right. They don't punch our ticket to get into heaven. I don't want you to go home and make a list of all the things that you have got to do. And this just becomes more of a burden <laughs> to you. Because if it becomes a burden to you, then, I, then we have to come alongside you and bear one another's burdens. Like, we got to help take things off your plate. And it's like, whoa, whoa, you're missing the point. Like... Let's not make it a burden. Let's make margin. Let's cut out the unnecessary stuff. Let's cut out the things that aren't building God's kingdom. Let's cut out all those things that are keeping you from having margin in your life. Because they're really not important. They're temporary, right? Let's start sowing our, our time talent and treasure into each other, into God's kingdom, whether that's at Redemption Hill or down the hill at another church, wherever it is, whatever it is, whatever it is, let's start sowing those things into God's kingdom here around the city and around the world and being a part of God's work in building his kingdom. So as we come to um, our our time of, uh, of communion today, did you have anything prepared or you do okay. As we do that, um, I'm gonna I'm gonna close this in prayer, and uh, Mike's gonna lead us into our communion today. Would you pray with me, Father in heaven? We thank you so much for calling us your children, yes, God. and in that calling us your children, plural, we see that we are children. We are a part of the family. That there's there is familial bonds that are made in you, that we all get to look at you shoulder to shoulder and call you Abba Father. We get to call you Dad. 
And as family, we have to take care of one another. We have to bear one another's burdens. We have to leave margin in our lives for each other. Whatever that looks like, Lord, if it looks like our time or talent or our treasure, whatever it looks like, we have to make margin there and not for the purpose of being able to create a checklist and feel like we're doing a good job and for the self-worth and the self-pride and for us to build um, identity. But Lord, that we would just root our identity in you. And then when people see us doing that, they, they see little Christs. They see Christians. That that's the vision. That's the picture that we want to give people through loving you and through serving you well. And in all of those things, giving, giving people grace in the same way that you gave us grace. By sending your son Jesus to, uh, who lived a very perfect life, um, but who took on the, the weight, the sin of this world, uh, took it to the cross. He died so that we could have, uh, we, we could be a part of your family. We could be called your children and be looked at as blameless and spotless. Father, we're so thankful for your son, Jesus. We're so thankful for the model that he gave us in life and in death, and he continues to give to us today. It's in his name that we pray.